Today's story is going to be a wild ride, to say the very least. It is the true story of a showman slash psychic slash tabloid publisher who advised Hitler and was known as the prophet of the Third Reich. Reich? Reich? I don't know how you say it. You're German, so... (laughs) I don't want to sound like too German, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know if there's such a thing. How do you say it again? Reich? (laughs) I'll take it. Okay. No one's going to say you're doing it wrong, so... (laughs) Well, if you didn't hear about this one in history class, which I hadn't, you're getting our rendition of the Jewish psychic who, it could be argued, helped push Hitler into the powerful position that he ended up in. Cool. Finally, a medium I cannot defend. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a bumpy ride, to say the least. Mm -hmm. everyone and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. Today we are <laughs> covering a doozy of a story. This guy, let's just call him Eric for now. He is one that was not in my history book. No, I feel like it should have been, but I don't know how much it would have taught us, except some people don't choose integrity at the end of the day. (laughs) That's a great moral of the story. Yeah, Yeah, great point. point. I feel like I'd heard of him when bouncing around on the internet. Like The name looks familiar, but I knew nothing about this going in. So now that I've gone through the notes a little bit, I am nervous. I don't like him. Let's crack into it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. This guy was a lot of things. One thing he was, was a showman, so to speak. And I feel like when the occult was big, like in the early 1900s, showmanship was a big part of being in the occult. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like most stories that we even cover on, and that's why we drink, when there was any version of spiritualism or any talk of the occult in the early like 1900s, late 1800s, it's usually like people who are fraudulent or using the system or were narcissistic or maybe slightly delusional and they were taking advantage or exploiting people during a really popular movement yeah i almost feel like the more showy and dramatic you and flashy you were Mm -hmm. the more likely people were to believe you which i feel like nowadays might be the opposite yeah (laughs) i I totally agree with that well because back then they had i mean there were people that 
were claiming to be able to like shoot ectoplasm out of their right. nose and it was and we're doing it yeah it and so terrific and i get that at the time especially in a world where there weren't like special effects or like right. cgi like there was photoshop and all that yeah very little explanation to it so they could be as showy as they wanted mm-hmm. and probably get away with it but that's such a good point that as time has gone on and we're aware of technology and special effects it's almost like the less you do, the more convincing you are. Yeah, it's kind of a weird turning on its head. Well, we just already mentioned that we have not heard about this guy much. We didn't learn about him in school, in the history books. Do you consider yourself like a history buff at all or not really? No, I'm getting into it now later in life. I didn't have fun in history class growing up, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I took AP history and I was like fine at it, but... I think it just didn't pique my interest. Like, I can go down a rabbit hole with the best of them on the history of, like, one very specific thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, as you and I both do a lot. But, yeah, history in general in high school, not my jam. I started getting into history only maybe a year or two ago. But it was because I think it was a conversation with my girlfriend and I at some point. And she had said, like, oh, history is, like, gossip. It's like just drama. Like, <laughs> like, and then this guy said this and then he was pissed. And then he started a whole war about it. Yeah. Oh my and I was like, honestly, now I'm so in love with history. That honestly, <laughs> so, now that I have a child, I feel like that's the angle I might take. I think so. I think so. her interest. <laughs> and that's how she'll be president one day. So and then one day, I hope not. I think we don't need that kind of drama in our lives. You know, I would say I'm a brand new history buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could get on board with that. Well, we both know we have not heard of Eric Jan Hanusen yet before, really, maybe uh, in the annals of the internet somewhere, Mm -hmm. but we don't know the story until now. What he did was he published this tabloid that was very influential in spreading Nazi propaganda. So right off the bat, very troublesome. Mm -hmm. And speaking of gossip and tabloids and that kind of thing, I feel like it's safe to say things haven't changed much in terms of the press or the media being used to spread Hmm, gossip information that might not be fully contextualized or true. Huh. Well, just take a look at the last, I don't know, two years. <laughs> what a bold statement I'm making. <laughs> Except not even a little bit Except bold. Not. <laughs> Considering some news outlets are like won't even report on the insurrection. You know? Like, <laughs> let's put it that way. Some news outlets, which I don't even want to call it that. Yeah, definitely uh do a lot of fear-mongering and buzzer words and have yeah. Maybe built a little group around. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to use the word cult, but I do want to say there are people out there who think some crazy things and the news isn't helping. The news isn't necessarily helping, but there is something. And I feel like you just completely walked into this exact point, this bullet point, which is like, why do we love tabloids so much? And you just said you didn't really care about history until it was presented to you almost as like, Gossip. gossip. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's kind of the same thing. Like, we love the gossip of it as humans. I do love tabloids. And I was raised by someone whose only, like, subscription she would have sent to the house was the, like, National Enquirer. So, oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up thinking, like, that was the peak of news. This explains a lot. <laughs> it explains why I didn't understand why history was so dry and boring, because I would come home to the National Enquirer. But no, I... 
just love a good round of gossip. It's such a dopamine rush. That's why I need to think of it as gossip if I'm going to pay attention to history, because then I get the real boost. I want to know the drama. I actually also, I guess there's a science to why people follow gossip, especially celebrity gossip. I looked it up to double check that things hadn't changed since I learned this in a psychology class in college. But apparently Mm. with celebrity news, people are really invested in that because it's almost a way to see into their life to almost climb the ranks themselves of like, which sounds so backwards because you're hearing almost the worst parts about these people. Yeah. So it's like a way to make yourself feel better or what's the... I would think that. That's how I've always described gossip where I'm like, oh, it's so fun to know something I'm not included in. Like, it's just a version of looking within the world and just feeling slightly more involved in a fancy celebrity A-list experience. So you're sort of like in the in-group. Yeah, in a really probably subconsciously delusional way. But yeah, it's a way (laughs) of feeling like part of the group. And then on top of it, it's a way for people to see how others navigate social situations to almost like prep you. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next time I'm at like a gala, I'll be like, what did I learn from? You let me know how that gala goes. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that splashing water in a lot of people's faces actually gets you pretty far. So yeah. Or champagne if you've got access to that. Yeah. You you never know. Never know. We'll see. Well, this episode is not about the housewives. It is actually about a guy named Eric Jan Hanosen, originally named, get ready for this, Hashman. Chaim Steinschneider. Cool. So I'm so glad you got this story. So I didn't. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> Hashman. I mean, wowza. That's quite a name. And Steinschneider. I can see why he was like, it's time for a redo. Rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rebrand it. Yeah. So Hashman Chaim Steinschneider was his original birth name. But Hanusen, he was a Viennese Jewish psychic. Okay, Mm -hmm. who became friends with Hitler and became known as the prophet of the Third Reich. Yeah, that's not a title anyone should want, by the way. No. And something I feel like you wouldn't expect from a Jewish man. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) I sure do hope we cover how that happened. Oh, certainly. We're not going to jump straight to the end because there's a lot of meat in the middle of the story. Okay, good. Yeah, because all I hear is a Jewish person like becoming little buddies with Hitler and it <laughs> it sounds like a really bad, bad, bad screenplay or something. Like, yeah. It was the Inglorious Bastards. It feels like it'd be like a oh, weird gosh. shtick moment. Like they're and- trying to ingratiate themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you how he got there. So Hanusen, like we said, was a showman, and he was born in 1889 and actually grew up with a dad who was a traveling performer. Hmm. So as a teen, he would follow in his father's footsteps and kind of learned the ropes as far as being showy and flashy and that kind of thing. He even worked in variety shows and cabarets. And then in 1903, he joined a traveling circus. Oh, I know. As the clown of the group, you probably have a little slight affinity for this sort of behavior. No comment. No comment. As I would say in the tabloids. In 1903, he joined a traveling circus after pawning his bar mitzvah watch for cash. I would also pawn a watch to go join the circus, to be clear. I mean, this bullet alone and this one alone, to be clear, is you in a nutshell. Pawned your bar mitzvah watch for cash and join the circus. (laughs) I mean, I know he turns out to be a villain, but I currently am on board with 1903 him. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Just flashy, trading in one life for another, Mm -hmm. joining the circus. That's me. Part of us can all sort of understand that move. And then by 1910, he was in Vienna and got into writing. So he was writing cabaret jingles. Mm. So that's fun. Love a good jingle. Love a good jingle. Also, love a good tabloid journalism. That's the other thing he was doing with his time. So far, I approve of it all. The hobbies, maybe we should say, so far I can get on board with. Mm -hmm. But as a writer, Hanusen was researching the secrets of telepathy, and he had a personal realization that he could perform these sort of tricks better than anyone else. So he saw in himself a talent, and he wanted to put it to use to kind of like climb the ranks, basically. So I'm already kind of getting a sense of the same thing we see in every story where there's like, Either not to say that he's a, a fraudulent medium or anything like that, but he does share the personality traits so far of like a little bit of a narcissist where he's like, oh, I can do this better than anyone else. I'm going to blow them all away. And he does, oh, which man. I feel like as we see many times, at least in true crime, especially people who are diagnosed as narcissists, it's because they're good at it. Right. Like, yeah. They they get to a point where they're very successful at manipulating people. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So as a showman, uh, he took on the identity of, quote, an aristocratic Scandinavian clairvoyant named Eric Jan Hanusen. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like if you're going to rebrand yourself as an aristocrat, I'm like, okay, so this does feel a little like you think you're better than everyone else, or you're at least going to play the part so well people will believe you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it worked. It worked. So the occult at the time was very popular in Weimar, Germany in the early 30s. And even though publicly the Nazi party who were, you know, building up their ranks at this point, they were against occult practices in a public facing way. Mm -hmm. But in reality, there were Nazi officials that believed in it, especially, of course, when it benefited the Nazi party. Oh, yeah. okay, Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So far, we have a born showman who capitalized on the popularity of the occult. It's something the Nazi party has an interest in. So Hanusen found himself in the company of these guys. Mm. And then while Hanusen wrote for some newspapers, he also became a self-publisher. And this is how he started to spread his, <laughs> let's call it Nazi profit propaganda. Gross. Yeah. There was a very small window of me appreciating his talents. His talents. <laughs> yeah. Very small window. <laughs> Yeah, it was almost like he saw where the success was in his environment and was like, oh, I'll jump on that bandwagon and use that to my advantage. It just so happened to be the Nazi party. And that was extremely unfortunate for obvious reasons. Mm. So we'll talk about it a bit more. But basically, in the 1930s, Hanusen published a tabloid that combined militaristic language and astrology. I mean, this is just it feels like a fever dream. I'm just going to say it. It's just so wild that they're using the occult to make Nazis look good. Mm -hmm. Like the occult is something I hold near and dear as a a very amateur enthusiast. And I'm like, ah, man, like it's so weird that there's that connection. And also, how did we never hear about this in history? That's what I'm wondering. And I feel like it's almost being sullied here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like to use it in this kind of horrible way. Yeah. So this tabloid that we, for some reason, have never heard about combined militaristic language, like I said, and astrology to help lift up Hitler's image and vision. There it is. Big fat yikes. Big fat yikes. I feel like I need to protect astrology. Like, I'm like, (laughs) Like, don't do it dirty like that. How dare you? Okay. Anyway. 
Coming up, we'll talk more about Eric Jan Hanosen's rise to occult fame and how it brought him, yikes, face to face with Hitler. At this point, I have no idea where this is heading. So thank you for uh, joining me on this ride. (laughs) What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the Parkhead series Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction, revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. So Eric Jan Hanosen, the man who combined showmanship with the occult, was a huge hit during World War I with the kind of flashy show that he put on. It was actually described as a telepathy and circus show routine. So wow, that combination of words, <laughs> telepathy and circus show, like that, I feel like you could even maybe call our podcast. I don't know. Like <laughs> it, it's like a fun combination of words. It feels like it's aside. like maybe like one of the first people to do like mentalism Ooh, on stage. Yeah. I mean, it feels like something that you and I would have absolutely bought tickets to. Right. Context aside. <laughs> By 1918, he's basically selling out shows and got billed as Europe's greatest clairvoyant. So Mm. he was a big wig. He was a big name. He moved to Berlin then in 1930. And a lot of people in Berlin didn't go to a traditional church. Instead, more people got into politics, the occult or superstitious beliefs. And uh, the city was filled with thousands of fortune tellers, astrologers, tarot readers, hypnotists, crystal ball gazers, faith healers, mystic brotherhoods, and doomsday cults. Whoa. Okay. Berlin sounds like a wild ride, by the way. Well, let me tell you, as someone who lived there for a while, it has not changed that much. Like, it really is the town in Germany where you go if you're, like, unique or different. Germany's Salem, maybe, a little bit. A little bit. It's very... Hmm. Like, is it known as like a spooky town or is it just no, like, no, no. oh, it's just like known as like the eccentric, quirky town alternative, maybe Ugh. is a better word. No, it's a great place. It's so just different. Like, it's so not traditional. It's so I mean, let me just say there were two different bars and clubs I went to that for like totally separate reasons had like alien animatronic themed dance parties like that it's just a wild place that sounds like a good time but it also makes sense why you 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 travel to berlin like you go there on trips and stuff with your family i do yeah i I mean i lived there for a while it makes sense why you have your interests (laughs) yeah i will say as someone who visited family in other cities and then went and visited berlin i was like oh this is very different from just traditional german living (laughs) all right hey well now i know if i ever have to flee to germany i will be going to berlin and you can find me there i think you'll fit in i do you can find me under the alien animatronics (laughs) (laughs) i'll find you probably inside the display (laughs) 
<laughs> they'll replace it with you. <laughs> now that he was in a city that was perfect for this kind of niche showmanship, Hanosen got to work. He performed all around Berlin. He started a private consultation business that catered to the wealthy. And all of this put him in cultural elite circles where he was constantly surrounded by artists of all kinds. He eventually became wealthy himself, which I guess you would if you were yeah. running around performing and consulting with wealthy people. Yeah. And he had a yacht that he would throw parties on. Wow. <laughs> I'd like to think it was like just a yacht full of people in the occult cruising around, like doing just each other's fortune. cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like a Gatsby, like a spooky Gatsby of yeah. Berlin. Well, that's, you know? I mean, our dream, except minus <laughs> the other half of his life story. <laughs> right. I wish the rest of it weren't involved, but... Here we are. I mean, first of all, I have to give him credit on his business acumen to like, mm -hmm. I mean, he's really finding a niche area and yes. profiting well. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, if he was in so many occult circles, if I were a skeptic, which we all know I am not, but if I were a skeptic, <laughs> I would be using the argument right now of like, he is in a town full of fortune tellers and no one has claimed his fortune to say like, hey, this is going to happen to you. And also the Holocaust is coming. Like, it's interesting that he's in circles where no one's mentioning like stuff that's coming up. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. You know what? You're right. Maybe that's just part of the story I'm not hearing. I mean, he's hiding his Judy, like his Jewish background. So I'm assuming the people he's with are not Jewish. So I don't think that like. That's a good point. That's a good they're point. They're necessarily fearing. I mean, you know, obviously, I think everybody back then had a very different experience. But, you know, generally, I don't think like, I think he was pretending <laughs> to not be Jewish. So that was part He's of probably avoiding shtick. anyone who was willing to talk about it or was predicting that I think maybe just sidestepping the whole I'm Jewish and this should matter situation. Well, and we'll get into it. But like, at this point, the Nazi party is like dropping off anyway. So it wasn't even oh, okay. right in the midst of their meteoric rise like we'll get to it but i think there was just so much happening i don't necessarily think <laughs> it's a big thing to pre predict <laughs> it is I, it is i don't know the context on that but i do know <laughs> and this story is so wild okay what i can't wait for the bullet after this one so oh god okay in 1931, Hanusen launched both an occult journal and a bi-weekly tabloid, and both became pretty darn popular. And like I said, he was making quite a bit of money. And so he used the money that he made from these, uh, the bi-weekly tabloid and the occult journal, to buy a mansion that he called the Palace of the Occult. That's what I call our recording studio. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just such a shame that this story ends so tragically because... So far, I want to like him so badly. I know, I know. It's such a bummer because he really had such a cool, like, angle on life before things went wrong. Well, I think it's just, it is a good reminder that history repeats itself in many ways. And mm -hmm. right now, a lot of us are dealing with a lot of people that we always had in our lives that we considered really nice people and had some really cool interests and we could vibe with. And we are learning things about a lot of people and we're having to set boundaries. And yeah, I mean, there's splintering going on in, in social groups and that kind of thing. Families. Yeah. 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 So that's a good underbelly moral of today's episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. So he called this mansion of his the Palace of the Occult. And in this mansion, he had an interactive theater for his occult shows. All right. Well, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> 
Being rich and famous in Berlin, Hanussen, of course, soon became friends with some Nazi officials. And this is where things take a turn. Including us liking him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that ends here. So the early 30s not only saw the rise of Erich Jan Hanussen, but also Adolf Hitler and his National Socialist Party, which we all presumably did learn a bit about, at least in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. So that puts this story into a little more context. So armed militias from communist and Nazi factions caused a lot of chaos around Germany. So support for the Nazis started to drop, which is what I was trying to mention earlier. Like, I think I think putting it into thinking about today's world puts it in good context. Like you said, history repeats itself, because if you think about how much was probably happening right Mm -hmm. back then and support for the Nazis dropped and there must have just been so many moving parts that I don't know that anyone like hindsight is 2020 yeah I guess no, is what you're I'm right trying to you're say totally right so with this drop in support for the Nazis at the time came second thoughts about Hitler being the party's leader and there was serious talk about replacing him hmm. meanwhile Hanussen wanted to be viewed and respected as an intellectual so on March 25th 1932 he made his first political premonition in this political magazine that he published So the headline of this political premonition read, Hanussen in trance predicts Hitler's future. Mm. Wow. So he capitalized on something that could have maybe already been ending on its own. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Is it wild in terms of a butterfly effect to think that maybe he re-emboldened him and was responsible for maybe a few things that happened i mean right or at least partially responsible yeah you never know and it's like impossible to say obviously but it's weird to think about a scary thought yeah so hanosen said that hitler would be chancellor in exactly one year's time and a lot of people kind of laughed at this idea because like i said they were thinking about replacing him but the nazi press doubled down on hanosen's premonition and printed a headline that said Hanussen, the man who is never wrong. Ah, so they're officially uh, tag-teaming this together. They're saying, wow, look at this guy. Mm -hmm. He's probably 100%. They're scratching each other's backs. (laughs) Exactly. So one of the Nazis Hanussen had become friends with and invited to his parties was this guy named Count Wolf Heldorf, or Wolf Heldorf, Mm. if we're doing the uh, fun American way. (laughs) So Heldorf would come to these parties that Hanussen would throw and complain about the amount of Jewish people at the parties. Oh, and that is where any allyship is tanked. Is <laughs> be goodbye. Yeah. Why are we not saying, okay, then you can leave? Um yeah. yeah. Yep. Heldorf introduced Hanussen to Hitler in June of 1932. What a fateful meeting that must have been. Mm-hmm. Hanussen got real cozy paying off debts and buying equipment for the SA, which was the Nazis' paramilitary group. He also changed the font in his publications to a more Germanic typeface that was used by the National Socialists. So I don't know if you've seen it kind of like that. Yeah. Like that very intense German writing. Mm -hmm. So he changed the font. So, I mean, it just goes to show like how good at being manipulative this guy was. Yeah. Just kind of even just the subtle things in front of your eyes, you're not paying attention to or happening. Yeah. And so he was getting real cozy with the Nazis. He also changed the content in his publications to include more positive astrological analysis of Hitler. I mean, yeah. Don't do that to astrology, please. Hitler and Hanussen spent time together and found they had a lot in common, which I'm like, "Mm, okay. 
you think Hitler has great astrological readings. That's the only thing I can kind of yeah. suss out yeah. so far, but okay. <laughs> but what Hitler didn't know, obviously, was Hanussen's real identity, most significantly that he was a Jewish man born of Jewish parents. Seems like a very dangerous game for Hanussen to be playing. Mm-hmm. And especially because he had even been married three times in traditional Jewish ceremonies at this point. So uh-huh. he was born of Jewish super parents. Super Jewish, yeah. Super Jewish. As the Jewish person on the podcast would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Super Jewish. Super Jewish. I mean, very involved in Jewish culture. Like like the fact that he's even marrying in the In the faith. Jewish. And, yeah. Faith. It, yeah. So he is completely hiding all of this. Hanosen lied to Hitler, said he was Danish. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of still promoting this new uh, character of his. I mean, he had to know what he was doing. Oh, of was course. I mean, he knew he had to protect himself against this person, but still wanted to be in business with him. Like ingratiate himself. Almost. Yeah, he was truly picking like money and power over dignity at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Hanosen also started doing regular sessions with Hitler in the summer of 32 that included horoscopes and helping Hitler with his body language and speaking skills. And that's when it gets also very like hands on mm. involved with helping Hitler and his rise. I mean, to be helping him with his body language and speaking skills, which is a major part of what actually helped him. Yeah. Succeed in Germany. That's a very scary thought to me. Yeah. Hitler, in return, told Hanussen that he'd be named as director of, get this, an Aryan college of the occult arts. Whoa. Whoa. I Ugh. can't imagine that felt good. I don't know. But I mean, maybe. Like, did he feel pride? Like, he couldn't. He shouldn't. I hope not. But also, was it sort of like a, I'm in too deep? You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. We don't really know. But either way, it's pretty effed up. <laughs> Yeah, it's one way to put it. I mean, there's no way you or I would know this, but I wonder if there is any behind the scenes that we never got to hear about where he was trying to use hopefully his abilities or talents for good and like try to sway Hitler against his views. Now, that sounds like a screenplay. I would like that screenplay. It's like he (laughs) saves the world by saying, you know what? Actually, I think, you know, the stars are telling me you need to be checked into a mental hospital like or. Yeah. Or go away forever. Or just leave and pursue the painting, your painting that you used to do. I guess that would be a more palatable version of the story. But I just can't believe that didn't even cross his mind. Like, like, even if you're going to pretend you're Danish, like, make up your own parents. Like, I I don't know. Well, obviously, we all feel the same way. I'm just... I mean, the number of stories we cover on this show where people aren't really the most ethical, moral version Uh of humanity. You know, I just think that seems to be how history goes. Mm -hmm. So that same year, Hanosen was getting a lot of press. Not all of it was good. And this is around the time one publication called him the prophet of the Third Reich and Hitler's spiritual father. Ew. Yeah. Okay. And then they uncovered the truth and revealed Hanosen's Jewish background in August of 1932. (gasps) Yeah. So someone was doing some digging and basically that's called like him out. the headline of his own tabloid right there <laughs> i know i know i know for somebody who's writing these kind of gossip mags yeah. to be called out like that Oof. but so he was confronted and hanosen instead lied and kind of doubled down on his lie saying he wasn't jewish but to explain it he said he had been adopted by a jewish couple okay and so to 
kind of further this lie, he even forged some adoption papers to sell the lie. And it worked. (sighs) Were his parents alive? They would be so disgusted. Okay. I don't know. But either way, the Nazis believed it. Saved his own skin. (laughs) Saved his own skin. And then a big boost happened for Hanussen. His premonition came true in January of 1933 when Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, as he had predicted the previous year. Hmm. And then came Hanussen's most famous prediction that would change the world. So this is a wild story. On February 26, 1933, Hanussen held a seance in his Palace of the Occult. And during it, he predicted that the Reichstag building, which was the home of the German parliament in Berlin, would catch fire. And 24 hours later, it did. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know what that was about, but he made this prediction. It came true. A member of the Communist Party was blamed for the fire, and Hitler outlawed the Communist Party that March, which meant that now the Third Reich began and Hitler was in charge. Well, I mean, he really had like a direct hand in all of this or not a hand necessarily like causing this to happen, but just was like on the scene when all this was going on at the very least. Yeah, at the very least, he could have advised otherwise. Like he, you know, I don't know how much pull he would have really had, but he definitely had more pull than others. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I don't think it'll come as a surprise that Hanusen's luck would run out. Up next, I'll tell you about the, as we probably predicted, tragic ending to this wild story. I'm reeling over here, so let's get to the end of this because I got to know what happens. At the beginning of 1933, Hitler became chancellor of Germany as Hanusen had predicted the previous year, which meant the Third Reich had officially started. So Erich Jan Hanusen had become Hitler's personal psychic, a.k.a. they called him his spiritual father. Mm-hmm. Yikes. The secret that he was Jewish had been revealed and deflected. So when the Third Reich started, Hanusen was still booking shows around Berlin. He was still pretty popular. His publications were even being given to prisoners in the newly created concentration camps. Oh, Jesus, that's it just gets worse and worse, which I mean, we all kind of saw coming at the start of this. It's just awful. But Hanusen was a liability for a few reasons. Some Nazi officials owed him a lot of money. Doesn't really put you in a good position in that regard. Mm -hmm. He also knew a lot of their personal secrets because they were attending these private parties of his. So he had a lot of, let's say, intel. Mm -hmm. And not everyone was buying this story that he was adopted by Jewish parents or they felt that he was too close to the Jewish people. So even if they did believe him about being adopted, they still were uncomfortable with his proximity to Judaism. That makes sense to me because I'd be like, oh, so you're okay with everything we're doing, but your own parents are Jewish. I don't know. Yeah, even if they are adoptive parents. Exactly. So March 24th, 1933, Nazis paramilitary arrested Hanusen at his apartment. And this was so shocking to him that he actually thought it was a joke. I would, like, too. This was some sort of prank. Like he was if I were him, I would totally think it was a joke because I'd been so in the fold in the fold. Exactly. They made sure to collect all the debt receipts showing how much Nazi officials owed Hanusen. So, of course, you know, they covered up the evidence that they owed him any sort of money, that the party owed him anything. 
And then they drove him to Gestapo headquarters, where he was charged with being friendly to communists and submitting fake documents to gain entrance into the Nazi oh, party. Oh, shoot. Okay. A few hours later, Hanussen was executed. <gasps> it's just such a sudden yeah. end to this story. Complete twist. A complete, just like tragic, sudden, abrupt ending. So Nazis shot him three times and then dumped his body in a field north of Berlin. And after his death, his mansion, the Palace of the Occult, was looted. And that's pretty much the end of Eric Jan Hanussen's story. Wow. The ending really yeah. does come in hot. Because I... Doesn't it? I actually thought he was going to get away with it just because he had for so long. He had for so long. He probably did too, you know? Yeah. Wow. Very tragic story. Very... I feel like it picked up speed really fast. Like he just yeah. suddenly had this like meteoric rise and then just like abruptly halted. And the context of his whole life is just very tragic. It makes me wonder if he were living in a different time period, if things would have been different or or not. Who knows? But it's just a very sad story. It also makes me wonder what other people out there did the same thing and we just never heard about them. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. You know, found an in. And was happy to exploit others or do the wrong thing for, you know, to protect themselves. I just wonder how many stories are out there like that, even in today's yeah. world, you know? Yeah, especially in today's world that we would never even read about in the history books 100 years from now. So it's all very um, sobering, I guess, the story. It's a good way to end it. Sobering. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from the Leo Beck Institute, Guilt and Pleasure, Crystal Links, and Salon. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at VM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schiefer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact checking by Haley Milliken. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. <laughs>